Good morning. Welcome home. Welcome to Pitnaz. It is good to see all of you today. I know today is, uh, is Parents' Day at Pitt State, so if you're in town for that and chose to worship here with us today, welcome. We're glad that you came. We're glad that all of you came. So it's, it's been a great morning so far, and we're thankful for God's presence here. But I want to start this morning with a, a story. I grew up in Texas, probably oh, three, three and a half hours from the coast. And one weekend, I think I was in early high school, my dad and I decided to go camping down on the, on the beach. So we hauled down there with us this really, really tiny, I mean, this little cracker box of a camper. We hauled it down there, and we parked it there right on the beach for some camping and some fishing and some crabbing. And the first night we were there, this really, really, really scary storm blew in off of the water. And um, the rain was just beating down on the tin roof of that camper, that we could hear the waves just, just pounding the shore that wasn't very far from us. And pretty soon the wind started blowing so hard that that little camper just started doing this. It was just rocking. And so my dad, he, at that point, he said, we're not safe in here, we're getting out of here. And I don't remember this part, but my dad says that when he said that, I got out of bed and I reached for my Bible to bring it with me. And he said, as soon as I reached for my Bible, this storm just started to calm. And we ended up being just fine. Now, I told that story to a group of kids at camp this past summer. And there was this one kid that looked at me with this really skeptical look in his eye. And he goes, did that really happen? And I said, yes, it really happened. It really did happen. But what if I told you, if I made this statement to you, what, what would you think? If I made the statement that I think that storm blew in and we went through that scary time because we just weren't supposed to be there on the beach, I think that was God's way of telling us that we weren't supposed to be there. If I told you that, you, you might think, well, Adam, that, I think that's kind of silly. I mean, storms just kind of happen, right? And so I don't think that was God's way of telling you you weren't supposed to be there. It just happens. And so we think that something like that is kind of silly, and yet there's this, there's this belief in certain pockets out there that if something bad is happening in your life or something challenging is happening in your life, well, then that must mean that you're not supposed to be doing what you're doing, and that's God's way of telling you. Well, let me tell you, I don't know about you, but my life does not bear that, bear that out as true. Sarah and I have been married for 20 years. My wife and I, we've been married for 21 years. We've made three really big moves over those 21 years. And two of those three moves did not go smoothly, including our move here to Pittsburgh. And so we need to be careful about that. I've heard people say before, well, things just tend to fall into place. Things just go smoothly when you're doing what God wants you to do. Listen, all three of those moves, we knew that God was opening those doors for us to make that move. And things didn't go smoothly. Yes, they eventually worked out. Yes, things eventually fell into place. But it didn't go smoothly. And so we need to recognize that, that uh, life doesn't bear that out. And more importantly, the Bible doesn't bear that out. Every person I can think of in the Bible who does anything great for God experiences hardship and challenges and scary times and things that they have to work through. A lot of times that's not in spite of obeying God. A lot of times that's because they're obeying God. And Nehemiah was no exception to that. 
Kyle's been doing this great series called Do Something, and he's been taking us through the book of Nehemiah. And the idea is that God has, you know, God, as you, as you follow Jesus, God's going to place burdens on your heart. And when he does that, you got to do something. You got to move and you got to obey and you got to say yes to that. So let me briefly just bring us up to speed on Nehemiah's story. The people of Israel, they've been, because of their sin against God, they've been taken captive by a foreign country, so they're living in a foreign land. And the walls around their capital city of Jerusalem have been destroyed. The, the, all the rock has been, has been pushed down, and it's all a pile of rubble. The gates have been burned up. And so Nehemiah, who is serving the king of Babylon, this other country, he hears about his hometown of Jerusalem and how the walls are. And he has this burden. In fact, it says his heart breaks when he hears the news. Listen, don't get so callous. Don't get so cynical about the world around us that, that your heart never breaks when you hear about the suffering around us. Nehemiah's heart breaks when he hears this news and he has this burden. And one of the things that Kyle has said that's kind of the foundation of this series is that God uses those burdens, which sometimes come in the form of a broken heart. God uses burdens to move us to do something about that thing that won't let us sleep at night. And that's where Nehemiah is at. He has this burden to do something. And so at great risk of of his very life, he goes before the king and he asks permission to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild these walls. And God goes ahead of him. And the king grants him permission and the king gives him everything that he asked for and even more. And the truth that we need to remember in that is that we can trust that when God gives us a burden, he will prepare the way. He's not going to just send us out on our own. He's going to go ahead of us, and he's going to prepare the way for us. That doesn't mean everything is going to go smoothly. But it does mean that he will provide, and he will see it through. And so that brings us to the next part of the story then in Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah makes the journey to Jerusalem, and he doesn't tell anybody why he's there at first. He goes out in the middle of the night, and he starts inspecting these walls. He heard the news. Now he wants to see for himself. And so I want you to put yourself in his shoes as he's walking around the walls. His heart was already broken over what he heard. And now he's seeing them for himself. How much more of a broken heart must he have had as he's walking around those walls? But I imagine at the same time, even as his heart is breaking even more, I imagine that he also, he kind of has this ray of hope. Because in his mind, I think he is envisioning what these walls are going to look like when they're done. And so he's formulating his plan. As he's walking around those walls in the middle of the night, he's formulating his plan. And finally, the time comes to get all the leaders together and all the workers together who are going to work on this project. And here's what he says. He says, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Let's end this disgrace. And then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. He's pumping them up. He's getting them fired up. He's saying, let's do this. Let's end this disgrace. So what do they say? Same thing you and I would say after being pumped up. Yes, let's do it. Let's rebuild this wall. And so they began the great work, and everybody lived happily ever after, and everything went smoothly. 
No, the very next verse says, but when Sanballat, oh, that's a cool name. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it or not. Should have named one of my kids that. <laughs> but when Sanballat the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about it, they mocked us and they ridiculed us. That didn't take long, did it? In fact, here's what, I, what I'm envisioning in my mind. I'm envisioning a football team in the locker room, and the coach is getting them pumped up and fired up, and pretty soon they're all screaming and yelling, and they're jumping up and down. They're ready to go out on the field. They're going to kick some tail. Yeah, let's go do it. Let's go do it. And they open the door of the locker room, and the other team is standing right there ready to punch them in the mouth before they even get out on the field. That's, that's kind of what I envision here. They immediately run into obstacles, they immediately run into somebody trying to distract them. You see, that's what happens when we do what God wants us to do. We are going to experience obstacles and distractions because Satan doesn't like that. He doesn't want us pursuing God's mission and God's vision for our lives. And when you make the decision to give everything to Jesus, God, I'm going to, you've put this burden on my heart. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to say yes to whatever you want for me. Look, I don't want to sugarcoat anything today. You need to make an informed decision that when you make that choice, Satan is going to come against you. Opposition is going to come. The Bible says our enemy is not flesh and blood. Our enemy is Satan. And he's going to do whatever he can to distract you. That's what he does. He is the great distractor. That's what temptation is. Temptation is is an attempt to distract you from living the life that God wants you to live. That's all Satan can do. But he does it well. But here's the other thing. It's not just Satan that sometimes works against us. Sometimes, sometimes people just oppose us. Because when you're living for Christ and you're obeying him and you're doing the things that God has called you to do and pursuing the life that he's called you to live, sometimes that is going to require you to go against the flow of our culture or against the flow of human nature. And people get really annoyed by that. In fact, when I, was, um, when I was in late high school, my friends and I, we used to go, we used to go two-stepping all the time. Right? Like I said, I grew up in Texas, so we used to go, we would, you know, to Texas two-step, right? And uh, no, Kyle, I'm not going to demonstrate. He tried to get me to demonstrate in the first service. But um, we would go two-stepping, not line dancing. I always thought line dancing was dumb. But two-stepping, you know, you, you, everybody's going around the, the floor in one direction, and one time, my friends and I, we went out, and we, you know, my girlfriend and I, we were, we were two-stepping around the dance floor, and there was this one couple, really big dude and this really short girl. They were going the wrong direction. And it was so stinking annoying, and they would bump into you, and you'd have to go around them. And, uh, and one time, I think after the second time that they bumped into us, I, I muttered something about it under my breath, where only my girlfriend could hear or so I thought. And as we we're walking off the dance floor, I all of a sudden feel this shove in my back. And I'm thinking, I am about to get punched in the face for what I don't know. And I turn around, kind of half bracing myself, expecting to see a fist right here, and there's nothing. And I see the guy who had been going the wrong way. He's standing like 10 or 15 yards away, not close enough to have shoved me in the back. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And then I look down, and there's that little short girl. 
And she's standing there like this, and she's cussing me up one side and down the other. And I look back, and I saw the embarrassed look on the guy's face, and I was like, okay. And I just kind of laughed and, and walked off, and that's the time I almost got beat up by a little short girl. <laughs> it was so annoying when they were going the opposite direction. Hear me, church. When you're living for Jesus, there are times when you're going to be going the opposite direction, and it's going to be really annoying to people, and you've got to stay focused and not let that distract you and stay focused on the burden that God has given you and stay focused on what he wants you to do and the life that he has called you to live. So that's the bad news. You're going to be opposed by Satan. You're going to be opposed sometimes by people. Here's the good news. God will take care of you. And then the, here's a nugget of truth that will carry you through a lot of things. If you have a picture, take a, if you have a phone, take a picture of this. This is an important truth, folks. God will probably teach you something that, he, that you would not have learned if the way had been just nice and smooth. Satan will oppose you and people will oppose you, but God will take care of you and he will probably teach you something that you would not have learned if the way had been nice and smooth. He'll take care of you. He'll take care of you. Well, the opposition against Nehemiah, it grew a lot worse than just being mocked. In fact, attacks were planned against the Israelites. A plot was hatched to kill Nehemiah. At one point, it was so grave and so scary that half the guys, half the men were working, and they would have tools in one hand, and they would have weapons in the other. I mean, understand, this was really bad. This got a lot worse than people just mocking them. This was really, really scary. And don't forget, they were doing what God told them to do. They were doing God's work. And it got really scary. So my question is, how did they get through it? How did they get through this? What, what things did they do in order to persevere and get the work done? Well, Nehemiah gives the people, and he in turn gives us, at least three principles to help us persevere through the challenges of following and obeying God. And the first, the first principle is, don't forget God. Well, that might sound kind of funny. Well, how can I forget God? Well, we forget God in all kinds of ways. And Nehemiah knew that. And that's why he said, I stood up, I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of those enemies. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You see, when challenges crop up in our lives, a lot of times we'll, we'll get focused on the challenge. We'll get focused on the scary thing, or we'll get focused on the obstacle in front of us, and we forget that God is in the equation. Or sometimes we focus on our own strengths, or our own talents, or our own resources, and we say, oh, well, okay, um, I, I can get through this because I'm really good at this. And sometimes we push God out of the equation that way, and we need to remember God is in that equation. God is with you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you. Don't forget that. When you're tired and you're weary and you want to give up and you don't have any strength left and you don't have any courage left, remember the Lord and remember how great he is and how awesome he is. Remember his power. Remember the burden that he placed on you to begin with. Remember his love for you. Remember that he is the God who breathed the universe into existence. 
Remember, He is the God who sent His own Son to die for your sin on the cross because He loves you so much. Don't push God out of the equation. That's when we stop trusting God. When we forget that God is there, when we forget that God is is part of this whole equation, that's when we stop trusting Him. Don't forget God. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. You know, as we continue down the road to this, you know, this five-year plan to plant a church in Columbus and add on to our facility here and win 200 people to the Lord in the next five years, listen, Satan is going to distract. He's going to attack. He's going to undermine. Remember God's power. Remember God's strength. Remember God's love. Remember the burden that he has placed on us as a church to go do this. And let your courage come from that. In fact, our courage doesn't come from who we are. It comes from who God is. Our courage doesn't come from who we are. It comes from who God is. So don't push him out of the equation. Don't forget him. Remember him. Second principle to persevere is let others have your back. Let others have your back. A couple verses down in chapter 4, it says, From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears and shields and bows and armor. Half the men were working, while the other half was guarding. In other words, because of the threat... I'm sure work was slowed, but they had to do this because the threat was so high, because things were so scary. The Israelites were able to do the work because they knew half of their brothers had their back. We've got to have each other's backs, folks. That's why church is important. That's why small groups are important. Here's my shameless plug from the discipleship pastor. We've got like 25 groups that you can be a part of that meet all, all different times during the week where you can plug in and you can build relationships with people and you can have their back and, you can have, and they can have your back because all of us need to know sometime that somebody has my back. Kyle preached last week that when we're, when we're living for God and we're obeying him and saying yes to him, God's going to have your back. We need to have each other's backs too, though. We've got to have each other's backs also. There's this great verse in the New Testament, the book of Galatians. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. That's the command. Carry each other's burdens. Carry each other's burdens. Say those words in yellow with me. Each other's. That was weak. Try that again. Each other's. That means that it's not, don't, don't hear this verse wrong. It's not just saying that you're supposed to help other people carry their burdens. That's not what, exactly what it says. It says carry each other's burdens, which means not only am I supposed to help you carry yours, I'm also supposed to let you help carry mine. And that's hard for a lot of people. Raise your hand, just be honest. That's hard for me. Is that hard for you? Raise your hand if that's hard for you. Yeah. My wife and I both tend to be pretty self-sufficient, self-reliant people. Apparently most of you are too. But sometimes 
you got to let other people in. Sometimes you got to let other people in on your stuff. Sometimes you've got to let other people pray for you and encourage you and hold you up and minister to you. Sometimes it's harder to let people minister to you than it is to minister to other people. But you got to do it because all of us need that from time to time. When challenges are in front of you, let others have your back so they can pray for you and they can encourage you. In fact, one of my prayers, for those of you who do end up going to Columbus to be part of this church plant, one of my prayers for you is that you will grow closer to each other than you've ever been in your life. Because you're going to need each other. Satan's going to come against you. He's going to oppose you. He's going to distract you. And you're going to need each other. So let other people have your back. That's why we're here. That's what the church is for. So we can have each other's backs and continue the work that God has given us, which is reaching the world for Jesus Christ. Let others have your back. Here's the third principle. Don't come down off that wall. Don't come down off that wall. Nehemiah's enemies, they hatched this plan to lure him out of town and then kill him. And so they sent these messengers to him. Nehemiah is up on the wall. Apparently, he's working right alongside everybody else. And, and his enemies send these messengers to him. And they say, hey, Nehemiah, hey, why don't you just come on out of town here? We just want to meet you over here. Meet us at this place. We just want to talk. That's all, man. We just want to have a conversation. All the while, they, they're going to kill him. So Nehemiah sends messengers to them. This is in chapter 6. And he says, nah. That's a loose translation. (laughs) Nah. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? I'm not coming down off this wall. I am doing a great work. I am not coming down off this wall. Sometimes persevering is is simply a matter of making the decision that I'm not going to quit. Make the decision. Make the decision. Just decide, I will not quit. I will fight this battle, and I'm not coming down off this wall until the work is done or until God tells me to, but I'm not coming down otherwise. Just decide. Make the decision. Are you fighting to keep your marriage together? And you're trying to meet your spouse halfway, and you don't see any sign that, that they have any desire to meet you halfway and work this out. And you've been working at it, and you've been praying at it. Listen, listen to me. You're doing a great work. Don't come down off that wall. Are you battling an addiction this morning to drugs or alcohol or porn or anything else? Are you battling an addiction and you've been taking two steps forward and one step back, or maybe, maybe one step forward and three steps back. Maybe you've been to rehab already a couple times, and you just keep fighting it, and you're getting weary. Listen, you're doing a great work. Don't come down off that wall. Have you been praying for somebody, praying for a loved one, a parent, a child, a sibling, a friend, praying that they would come to know Jesus, and you don't see any sign, you don't see any softening of that person's heart towards God. You are doing a great work. Don't come down off that wall. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop. So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. 
You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat him. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. <laughs> what, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on. Keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's I'm, heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going, you hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. Hours are burning. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You promised me your best. You're back. Don't stop. Keep going. Too hard. It's not too hard. You keep going. Come on, Brock. Give me more. Give me more. Keep going. 20 more steps. 20 more. Keep going, Brock. Give me your best. Don't quit. No. No, Brock Kelly. You don't quit on me. No. You keep going. You keep going. No, Brock. 10 more steps. 10 more. 10 more. 10 more. Keep going. Don't quit. Give me your Look up, Brock. You're in the end zone. Just to clarify, for those of you who aren't football fans, uh, he didn't go 50 yards, he went 100 yards. Please hear me when I say God has a vision for your life. He has a vision for your life. Your life. God created you with a vision in mind for you, with a purpose in mind. Don't let Satan distract you from pursuing that vision and discovering that vision. And when he tempts you and when he distracts you and when he discourages you, don't come down off that wall. You are doing a great work. 
when you're pursuing Jesus, when you're pursuing his vision for your life, whatever that vision looks like for you, you are doing a great work. Don't come down off that wall, no matter what happens around you. But God not only has a vision for you personally, he has a vision for our church. And that vision is to plant a church in Columbus, to bring the light and life of Christ to the city of Columbus. And that vision also includes expanding our facility here so we can reach more people in Pittsburgh. And that vision includes reaching 200 people for Jesus in the next five years. And we are naive if we think that Satan isn't going to oppose us and isn't going to work against us. He is. He's going to try to distract us with big things and little things and silly things. And he's going to try to make sure that we get our feelings hurt. And he's going to try to make sure that we turn mountains into molehills. He's going to try to make sure that we annoy each other so that we're not getting along. He's going to make, try to make sure that we go around complaining. Nehemiah had to deal with that too. He had to deal with his own workers complaining at one point. Satan's going to try to do all of that to distract us. Especially to those of you who God calls to go be part of that plant. Kyle said something at the Bicknell Center a few years ago when he laid out this visual, a few years, a few, a few weeks ago, when he laid out this vision for us. He said, look, don't go to Columbus just because it's something that sounds exciting to you. But don't not go just because you don't want to. Pray about it and see if God puts a burden on your heart. Because here's the thing. If you go be a part of that, just because it sounds like it would be exciting, guess what? Satan's going to come against you and he's going to oppose you. And then what are you going to do when it's not exciting anymore? What's going to keep you up on that wall? I'll tell you what will keep you up on that wall. It's the same thing that kept Nehemiah up on the wall. It's that that hardcore belief that you know in the depth of your soul, God called me to do this. God put this burden on my heart. And that's the reason I'm not coming down. So in those moments of fear and in those moments of discouragement, whether we're talking about Columbus or whatever might be going on in your life, please don't forget God. Let others have your back and don't come down off that wall. So as we close today, we're going to close a little bit differently. I'm not going to ask you to stand. We're not going to ask you to sing along this morning. The band's going to play a song called God of This City. And on the screen, there are going to be pictures of Pittsburgh and there are going to be pictures of Columbus. And as you watch those and as you hear the words to this song, I want you to... I want you to not just look at the buildings that are on the screen. I want you to think about the people who occupy those buildings. And I want you to think about the people who occupy the buildings of whatever town you might live in. And realize that God calls you to get up on the wall and reach this city for Jesus and reach Columbus for Jesus and reach your town for Jesus. And so as you watch those images and you listen to those words, I just want you, I just want you to think about doing a great work. Don't come down off that wall. Would you stand with us? Nehemiah heard the news and his heart broke. Does your heart break? 
when you hear the news that there are people all around you who are lost and dying in sin and have no hope. If not, ask God to break your heart over that. Because his vision, I said he has a vision and a purpose for your life. That vision includes, first of all, you deciding to follow Jesus. And secondly, you seeking to make an impact and lead others to follow him as well. So ask God to break your heart. And then decide in your heart. And let's decide as a church. We're not coming down off that wall. That's the mission God's given us. And we're not coming down down. Whatever wall you're on right now, if it's a wall that involves pursuing God and surrendering everything to him, whatever battle you're fighting, decide right now, not coming down off that wall. I'm doing the great work that God's called me to, and I'm not coming down. God, we thank you for loving us, for creating us, Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. God, thank you for the mission that you've given us to bring your hope, your light, your love to a dying world. God, give us the strength to pursue that mission, to build that wall, the perseverance to stay up there and not come down until Jesus comes back. God, for those who are building their own personal walls right now. They're fighting. They're fighting battles and they're weary and they, they're finding it hard to, to persevere. God, would you strengthen them right now, today, in this moment? Strengthen them now with your power that breathes galaxies into existence. We love you, God, and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you go, if you are visiting here today for Parents Weekend or for any other reason and you would like to see the homestead, that's a, that's a great work that God called us to a year ago. It's a home away for home for college students. Out in the lobby, in that corner of the lobby, there's a giant banner that says homestead. Somebody should be there. Meet them there and they will take you over to the homestead and give you a tour. We would love for you to see that great work. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.